So we are in the book of Daniel, and we are with the lions in Daniel's den. It's not Daniel in the lion's den, it's the lions in Daniel's den. People have that all wrong, they get it all mixed up, and they think Daniel went into the lion's den. Not so fast when you have the Lord involved, amen? Uh, so we think of this, uh, I, I, I want to bring this uh, to your attention also, next week uh, we get to go into Daniel chapter 7 and we're going to take a tour of upcoming attractions with the Antichrist. Uh, we're going to start getting into the Greek Empire and then prophecies that are coming in the future with the kingdom of the Antichrist. Crazy stuff is coming. I'm hoping, listen, I hope that we're raptured before next Sunday. But just in case we are not, uh, that's where we are going. So that is next week. <clears throat> we're finishing up chapter 6 of Daniel tonight. And we're going to pick up, uh, you might remember King Darius. Uh, the Medes and Persians were ruling the uh, Babylon at this time. And Darius had Daniel thrown into uh, the lion's den. And uh, with that, uh, it, it, it was a trap. Darius got set up in the trap. And he signs, he decrees this law into existence, and then he can't do anything to unwind it, and into the lion's den goes Daniel. But before we get to that, let's look at some of the things that are happening right now. So there was a terrorist attack this past weekend at a, uh, this past week at a naval base. Um, check this out, this is from Drudge Report today, FBI hunts missing Saudis in Florida, airman radicalized before Navy base attack, assailed USA as nation of evil, quoted bin Laden, 10 more detained, investigation broadens, Pentagon chief won't call it terrorism. Um, there you go, right? Uh, that's what's been going on for a long time. Um, a lot more to say about this uh, when we get to, to uh, New Year's Eve. When we get to New Year's Eve, we'll be talking about a whole lot of interesting things. There's this, China's Communist Party censors phone owners' use of sensitive words like Almighty God. Uh, listen, this, this censorship is going to affect the whole world. And we're, we're, so we're seeing it. People are not paying attention. They're just uh, thinking everything is just going along rosy. Um, Trump's going to fix everything in the world. Or if, uh, the other half says, if you get rid of Trump, then the next people will fix everything in the world. That ain't going to happen. Uh, the Antichrist is going to come into power. I know what the Bible has to say. We are all going to be censored. We're going to be tracked. We're going to be monitored. That's the reality of it. But what's happening in China is coming to a city near you. Uh, then there's this. Pro-Palestinian rally in New York City promises violent riots on every college campus. Uh, there's, the anti-Semitism is growing and growing and growing and growing. It is not going to stop until Jesus comes back. I know that for a fact. It's always been here. It's always going to be here. Uh, you can go back in the history of the Jews. You can look at what's going on today. You can look at the Bible, and I know what is coming. The whole world is going to turn against Israel, not just anti-Jew, anti-Semitism, but anti-Zionism, where the Jews are not allowed to live in Israel. We hear it all the time. That's what the world wants to do at large. However, the Lord Jesus he rules and reigns, and he's going to come back and rule and reign from Jerusalem. And, the, and God is not done with the Jews, and he's going to rule and reign, and the Jews are going to be living in Israel, much to the chagrin of many people in the world. But Jesus is coming. He will rule and reign from there. And, and God is not done with the Jews, and neither is Jerusalem going to be destroyed or the Jews rid of Jerusalem. And I look at this, and I know what the Bible says, but the world hates this, and college campuses in America are only going to grow in frequency and intensity in anti-Semitism and also anti-Christianity. It's both those. In fact, go, let me go back to this. When you look back at the history of the first century, uh, the persecution of the Romans was against the Jews and the Christians. And when you come back to a revived Roman Empire, right, because that's what's coming, the persecution is going to be against who? The Jews 
and the Christian. Interesting. And we can see it building up. Then we have this, Nikki Haley, Canada made a deal with the devil. A former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley condemned Canada for voting in favor of anti-Israel General Assembly resolution, claiming that in their actions the government made a deal with the devil. Haley made the proclamation at the U.N. Watch Gala in New York City on Thursday, adding that Canada is trading its integrity for a seat on the Security Council by using the vote to damage the state of Israel. Um, you look at this, and again, this is just that anti-Israel direction that things are going. Then there's this. This is just from a couple days ago. <clears throat> the Congress passed a two-state solution, uh, resolution calling for Israel to be divided and the land given to create a Palestinian state. Uh, let me read to you. I know you are familiar with this passage. I'm going to read it to you anyways. Uh, this is from Joel chapter 3. I'm going to find it. Joel used to be in my Old Testament. It's still here. I just can't remember what page it's on. It's in here. Where did Joel go? There. This is what God says. For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, so when the Jews are gathered back to the land of Israel, right? You've been watching that. I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have also divided up my land. God says also, if you look at the Old Testament, I am going to judge the nations that divide my land. That's what I'm going to do. And so we look at this type of thing going on. Again, it's this, we're going to divide the land, a two-state solution, and, and all this nonsense. Folks, this is a really bad idea. And I know it's a bad idea because of what the Bible says. When you look at it politically, politically, there's many people who think this is just a grand idea. I know it's a bad idea because this is going against God, and God says, this is my land, don't mess with my land. Yet the world's going that way, unfortunately, America is going that way. And then there's this, Donald Trump through the IAC, that's Israeli-American Council. Uh, some American Jews don't love Israel enough. And um, you, know, you look at that, and I talk with many of my friends, uh, Jewish friends from Israel, and they're like, man, American Jews, not very many of them love us. You have Dennis Prager and Ben Shapiro and uh, Michael Medved and others that obviously do. I had dinner with a friend of mine the other night, he's Jewish. Um, and I keep trying to get him to go to Israel. He doesn't understand. Um, uh, he, he doesn't understand everything. And he's a great, we've been friends for years. Uh, he was one of my former roommates from like 40 years ago. And, uh, and, uh, but he just doesn't understand. And, and I, I, again, I would put the fault at churches don't teach um, this part of the Bible at all. The parts that we go to, especially on Sunday nights, and uh, we should be, but... Uh, that's the reality of it. In, in America, there's, I mean, you look at uh, the, Bernie Sanders. He's Jewish and anti-Israel. And you look at these things and you're going, how could, then you look at the broader scale, George Soros, who was turning in fellow Jews during the Holocaust. And you look at these things. And I'll talk about George Soros more on New Year's Eve. Um, there's Netanyahu to Trump. We must seize Historic opportunity to annex the Jordan Valley. This is really fascinating. Again, I'll get into this on New Year's Eve. But uh, you see the land of Israel. Is this going to happen? Is the land mass, the borders of Israel, are, about they, are they about ready to grow? Um, the land that Israel has, listen, if you look at a map and you study history and the Balfour Declaration, and then the land that Israel had originally, and you look at what they have now, it is just a tiny speck of what they are supposed to have. And uh, you know, obviously, the world, the UN, doesn't want that to happen, to Israel to be able to expand their borders. But Netanyahu, Netanyahu and Trump, who are both always uh, in, in a lot of trouble with those who want to get rid of them, um, they're saying, look, we're just going to press forward with this anyway. Certainly Netanyahu wants to. Fascinating to watch all of these things develop. I'm telling you right now, we live in amazing days, to say the least. Then there's this. 
Netanyahu's, this mystical rabbi, Netanyahu's indictment is God's punishment for refusing to destroy Hamas. Uh, now let me read this to you. This is fascinating. Um, you might disagree with it. That's all right. But Damon Duck wrote this just today. Uh, this week, Breaking News Israel published an interesting article about Israel's stalemated election and Prime Minister Netanyahu's uh, legal problems. It's this article right up here that he's referring to. It is just one man's opinion, and there may be political motivations behind it, but some readers might find what this rabbi says in this article to be interesting. Mendel Kesson, an Orthodox rabbinic scholar, keeps delivering a speech titled The Worldwide Reduction of Evil in Netanyahu's Downfall. The rabbi is making four points that, in my words, are, one, many world leaders are having problems. You think? They are in perplexity, exactly as the Bible says the world leaders would be. Uh, two, Israel will get a different kind of government. That's coming, and I don't think it's going to be favorable. It's going to appear to be, but it's not going to be, because I know what Isaiah chapter 28 also teaches. We've talked about that before. Number three, the judgment of God, he says, is falling on Prime Minister Netanyahu, and he's saying because of this, he refuses to destroy Hamas. Uh, number four, Israel will go in a better direction. Um, Israel will eventually go in a better direction because the Lord's going to eventually return, hopefully soon. Um, but but he, Damon Duck goes on and says, I want to expand on my understanding of these four points. One, according to the rabbi, God doesn't have to drag nations into war to weaken them. God can weaken nations internally with riots and demonstrations, and that is what God is currently doing to Israel's enemies in the Arab nations. God is weakening the nations because he intends to change the world. Uh, by the way, when you think of birth pangs as the tribulation is described, uh, these are world-changing events, and God is going to change the world, but it has to go through this tribulation period to get to the place of the millennial kingdom and the new heaven and the new earth. So what is coming is only going to grow in frequency and intensity in the message. Number two, he writes, in the past, and again he's referring to the article, in the past, non-religious Jews formed coalitions to rule Israel. Israel's two failed elections mean that God is rejecting the process that allows non-religious Jews to rule over Israel. God wants Israel to establish a procedure that will produce a different kind of government. Um, I have no, no doubt that a different kind of government is coming to Israel. Uh, he's talking about having religious Jews run Israel. Um, some of my friends in Israel are very, very concerned about that uh, for various reasons, which I won't get into tonight. But if you look at Israel's history, well, this is true. Uh, you, you had the religious Jews, the Sanhedrin. They were, they were running Israel. And then in the Old Testament, you had the kings. But then still they're with the prophets and the priests, and, and all of it was working together. Um, and so this writer saying, hey, we got to get back to the religious people running it, but the religious people are going to get themselves into a quandary. And what, they're going to end up making a deal with the devil, and it's not going to be good, although it's going to appear to be really good on the outside. In fact, you want to know something? It's going to appear to be really good to a lot of Christians. And a lot of Christians are going to go, man, this just seems fantastic. Number three, there's no doubt that uh, Netanyahu is one of the world's greatest leaders, and he has done a great work in Israel, but God has allowed him to suffer humiliation, that be, be indicted, and, and great financial expense, years of paying high-priced lawyers, because he has refused to destroy the Islamic terrorists that are humiliating Israel and causing Israeli citizens to lose crops, property, money, and etc. Um, the rabbi is saying that uh, Netanyahu is, is reaping what he has sown. Number four, the rabbi is saying Israel's new kind of government will be a religious leader that will give Israel a bright future. All right, that's what this rabbi is saying. This writer, uh, so now Damon Duck is talking about himself, this writer does not know whether the rabbi is right or wrong, but Israel's future includes uh, government approval to rebuild the temple and resume the animal sacrifices and eventually accept the reign of the king of kings and the lord of lords. But the process through all this is not going to be a pretty process. Uh, but I look at all of these things and the talk that is coming out of Israel 
uh, going this direction and thinking, man, we're like at a boiling point. I think I told you when I was in Israel in October, it was, there were so many people visiting there and people doing their aliyah, uh, moving there, Jews moving there, that um, you get the sense something's got to give soon. But there are exciting things that are taking place over in Israel. The plan to have a monorail system to get you around the city. And that is needed, isn't it, Adi? You look, you go, this bus stuff isn't working anymore. You go about a, a quarter of a mile an hour, don't you? Uh, I mean, you could definitely outwalk the bus. You could walk up, back, back up, like 20 times. And the bus still wouldn't be at where it's supposed to be. But they've got a plan to have monorail there for all the people that are visiting and get around the, the city, a plan to get people from hotels down to the Western Wall to be able to pray and eventually worship at the rebuilt temple. This stuff's moving forward. But we'll save some more of that for, uh, for New Year's Eve. Folks, we are living in interesting times, to say the least. And tonight in Daniel chapter 6, it's the lions in Daniel's den. And before we get too far into this, I also want to remind you, listen, Jan Markell is going to be here. Uh, January 19th. This is a, 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 a fantastic opportunity that we have. I want to encourage you. We have it on our Hope for Our Times website. You can share that link uh, with your friends. And also, I really want to encourage you to do this. How many of you have a phone? A smartphone? How many of you have a dumb phone? <laughs> I think they're all, kind of, they're all kind of smart and dumb at the same time. Listen, take your phone, or if you have a laptop, And we have a promo for the New Year's Eve prophecy update that we did. It's on uh, YouTube, Hope for Our Times YouTube. It's also on uh, my Facebook, Pastor Tom Hughes. You can find it on there and share. Anybody here ever share anything? Share it. Get it out there. And I'm going to bug you guys to make sure that you do it and tell your friends to share it. People need to know what in the world is going on. And we're going to be dealing with these things. And we have some exciting things coming. And when you look at Daniel chapter 6, remember where we've been. We've been at that place. As I mentioned already, Darius, he's, he's the king. And uh, he signs into decree this law that can't be undone. It's the law of the Medes and Persians. And, um, and the problem is that the law determined, it was, it was uh, Darius was tricked into it. He was told, hey, Darius, here's a great law. Anybody who doesn't worship you and they worship another god, they need to be thrown into the lion's den. And Darius thought, wow, I like that idea. I want to be worshipped. So what happens? Uh, he, he decrees the law into effect, and they go, oh, by the way, your friend Daniel, the one you like so much, guess what? He doesn't bow down to you. He bows down to the God of heaven, and he needs to be thrown into the lion's den. So that's where we left off. Very problematic for Darius. Darius liked Daniel, and he's devastated on how all of this is going to turn out, and that he was tricked into signing that law. Um, here's a little bit of a, an int- a point of interest with um, of the times of Daniel and different people as they work together in the Bible. Uh, listen to this. In, in, you know the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah is thinking, He goes to Artaxerxes, hey, listen, I want to go back and rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is captured by Babylon. The people are taken captive, including Daniel. Daniel, when he was young, taken captive. By the time he's in the lion's den, he's now an old man, probably 90 years old. So a lot of time has transpired. But then uh, Nehemiah raises up, and he says, hey, uh, uh, King Artaxerxes, um, I want to go back to my homeland the land of my people, and build the walls around the city of Jerusalem so that they can freely worship the Lord in Jerusalem and that they will be safe in that city. I want to rebuild the city. Uh, I, I want to, uh, that's what I want to do. So he goes before the king, and in Nehemiah, the Bible tells us, Nehemiah chapter, let me see where it is. I knew it was in here somewhere. Chapter 2, verse 6, uh, the Bible says this, And then the king said to me, uh, Nehemiah, the queen also sitting beside him. How long will your journey be, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sent him uh, the time when I'd be gone and the time I would come back. Um, many uh, Bible scholars have looked at this and said, do you realize that the queen that is here in chapter 2, verse 6, is quite possibly 
the daughter-in-law, depending on how the queens came into existence at that time, quite possibly the daughter-in-law of either Darius or Cyrus that is mentioned here. Because when you look at it, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and Mordecai all would have been growing up in Susa or Babylon at the time of the events that we're reading about when Daniel's thrown into the lion's den. You start putting all these things together, and you go, you're right. They would have been. Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther, all of them connected together while Daniel's in, the, in this place. Isn't that interesting? That's just, those are just extra bonus points. Don't know for sure on the queen, but fascinating. But we do know for sure on everybody else, they were living there while Daniel's an old man, and this stuff is going on. I find it really fascinating. But with that, now let's look at this. We look at the king and Daniel's God. Um, in, in Daniel, uh, let, let's start with verse 10, uh, just to make sure everybody here is on the same page, all right? You ready? Okay. You guys like to think on Sunday nights, right? You're smart people, right? Amen? Some of the smartest people in the world, right? Geniuses. Verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. That be the decree that anybody who worships anybody other than Darius is in trouble. So when Daniel heard that it was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. In other words, I don't care if this thing is signed. I worship God. I've always worshipped God. I am going to continue to worship God. I'm not putting the laws of man above the laws of my God. Verse 11, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. These are the men that went to King Darius and said, look, sign this decree. So these men, aha, we caught you. You're praying to God. Aha. Verse 12, and they went before the king and they spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or bam within uh, 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lions, uh, the den of lions? The king answered and said, that thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persians, and I can't alter it. So they answered and said before the king, that Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, that Daniel, who's a Jew, is what they're saying. He doesn't show you regard, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but he makes his petition three times a day. And then the king, when he heard these things, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver Daniel. Uh, then these men, they approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. This is what's going on. They knew that this greatly bothered Darius. They knew Darius loved Daniel. They, they, they knew that Daniel, uh, Darius wanted to promote Daniel to be number two, right next to him in the kingdom, the way that Joseph was with Pharaoh in Egypt. So they tell, they tell King Darius, and then they watch him, and he is stressed out. He's pacing, around, he's pacing around town. He's pacing in his palace. He's pacing around the office. He goes, how am I going to get this thing changed? So they go to him, uh, not going to happen. You can't change it. I'm sure they went in like this. Oh, we're really sorry to hear this bad news uh, about this Daniel that's a Jew. That's just so sad, King Darius. Uh, nothing you can do about it. Mm. You know that's what it was. Verse 16. So the king gave the command, realizing he couldn't change the law. And they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And then a stone was brought out and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. They put him in there, put the rock on, said, Daniel's going to be eaten up. Not so fast. Verse 18, Now the king, he went to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no musicians were brought to him, also, his sleep went from him. Uh, so let's stop here, and then we'll uh, start moving through this. Rather rapidly, we'll move through it. 
Um, note verse 18, the king fasted. Now, I'm not sure exactly what this means because it's nighttime. So I fast every night. Anybody else? I mean, just, you know, so I'm not sure exactly what this means. No music was brought to him, so maybe it means he's, he usually has a band that comes in and, you know, plays something and he falls asleep. Maybe if he fasted from that, uh, maybe it means he turned to the God of heaven, uh, the things that Daniel had taught him. Um, but it doesn't appear that it necessarily has anything to do with food in this case because it was, it was nighttime. Um, it's possible. Maybe he's like to eat a lot at night. I don't know. But uh, it appears, or maybe you skip dinner, something like that. Um, but anyways, he's, he's greatly bothered. So we can tell that because he fasted. We also can tell he's greatly bothered because, verse 18, he also had insomnia. The king went to his palace. He spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Daniel had a much better night in the lion's den than the king had in his own conscience. Um, no matter how much money and how powerful the king was, he could not buy his rest. No matter how great Daniel's trial, his rest was in God. Uh, since Daniel's habit was to pray, perhaps Daniel reflected on David, where David wrote, excuse me, in Psalm 22, Save me from the lion's mouth, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Maybe Daniel, I would guess he probably did, reflect on that psalm, those words of David. David ministering to Daniel. And then we also find this in the New Testament, Daniel ministering to the apostle Paul, where Paul writes in 2 Timothy, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Uh, Paul was writing about being in trial because of people. But he's able to reflect on Daniel, it appears. David, Daniel reflecting on David and Paul reflecting on Daniel as this trail of uh, being challenged by the lion goes. Um, also remember this, the Bible talks about the enemy of our soul being a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Remember this, we've talked about this before. Jesus crushed Satan at the cross. And Satan's just waiting to be cast into the lake of fire. He wants to take as many people with him as he can. But when Jesus crushed Satan at the cross, he plucked out all his teeth, right? You ever see uh, that, what is it, um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Okay, the, the old animated ones, remember? Okay, some people are so mad at me online right now. Uh, I can't believe he's talking about Rudolph. Hey, listen, it's the cutest cartoon. Uh, this is around back in the 1960s. Remember the abominable snowman? How many of you remember that? Bommy, uh, Bommies bounce. They go off the cliff, right? Remember the dentist? What did he do? Remember what he did? He pulled out the teeth from the abominable snowman. So all he could do was gum you. He goes, you don't have to worry about him anymore. That is what Jesus did with the devil. He can roar all he wants, but he doesn't have any teeth. So don't worry about it. Amen? So... We can picture Daniel in this den. And, and you know, God turned these lions into cute little kittens. Oh, oh, that is so precious. <laughs> those are cute. You know, I, I was looking at those earlier today, I said, those are cute. <laughs> we can imagine them purring all night, keeping Daniel comfortable. They, listen, I guarantee you, when Daniel's in there, they were cute and cuddly. I will guarantee they were. They, they, they probably snuggled up to Daniel and just hung out with him all night. He turned them, he gave them a heart and a mind of a kitten. And I look and I go, man, the one thing we know for certain, Daniel had rest in his trial and the king could not rest even though he was king. Because he liked Daniel, but his conscience was tearing him apart thinking that Daniel was eat, being eaten up. If, if King only knew that, that God turned him into kittens, he would have had a good night of rest. Nevertheless, a couple of takeaways here, right? I know you want me to leave that picture up. Sue, it's got to go. Here's takeaway. When you mess up, don't be too proud to ask God for help. Amen? Even King Darius, he, he's messed up. 
He's fasting all night. Again, we don't know what he's doing. He has insomnia. I'd be, I'd be willing to bet that although we don't read about him being a full-blown believer at this time, Daniel's spiritual life had an effect on, on Darius. And uh, I don't know about you before you knew the Lord, but I used to cry out to the Lord all the time uh, until finally I, I repented and then he saved me. But I, man, when I was in trouble, I would, I would just, come on, God, if you're real, help me now. I know I made a mistake. You want to hear something I should never say in public? Anybody? I really shouldn't. This is really bad. You guys don't think worse than me. Same thing with everybody online. Please don't think worse than me. Okay. This goes back a long time. Long, long, long time. 40 years almost. <clears throat> so I used to sell um, a pot, right? Back when it was illegal. Because <laughs> you remember those days? <laughs> like, you know, a few months ago. And um, no, I mean, I didn't sell it a few months ago. Let me, let me straighten this out. 40 years ago, right? I sold it in. And, uh, and I was selling very large quantities, like 10 or 20 pounds at a time. So back then, that was a big deal. My friends were selling these little baggies. I was doing that. And I'd have a lot. And there was a lot of cash involved. And some of the people in that business were not good people. I mean, I was a lot more afraid of them than I was the police. Um, and, um, but I remember I, I wasn't yet saved. All right, let's clarify this. But I was raised Catholic. And I had this crucifix in my room. You know what that is? That's a cross with Jesus on the cross. I would, before a big drug deal, I would kneel down before the cross and say, God, please don't let me get busted. I probably shouldn't be doing this. I would cry out to God like that. And you know what? Praise the Lord. My friends got busted. I didn't. But anyways, it ended the whole thing. And he delivered me. He eventually saved me out of that mess. So I probably shouldn't have said that, huh? I don't even think my wife knows that. Now this is for, now this is for the world because it's on YouTube. But this, listen, there are some things that I have done that are just really, really, really stupid. Anybody else ever been really stupid? Praise the Lord. I bet you I have most of your stupidity beat. And second takeaway, uh, don't think that the riches of this world will buy rest for your soul. You can buy cars, you can buy girls, you can buy parties, vacations, mansions, airplanes, and on down the list, but you cannot buy rest for your soul. There are some things that money cannot buy. Right? Uh, Beatles used to sing, you can't, uh, what, you can't buy love or something like that, wasn't it? Can't buy love. Um, check this out. You know what that is? Ooh, you do know what that is. That is ice cream. That's what we should have tonight out there, shouldn't we? How many of you would like that? Okay, now we're, uh, wherever Pastor Steve is, make a note of it. Ice cream will work every Sunday night. Amen? We'll eat ice cream when it's hot. We'll eat ice cream when it's cold. Um, that looks so good. I, I'm going to have to go to the store on the way home. Uh, oh, what's that? Does that look good? Yeah, I don't. I, it, looks, it just looks good. That's all I know. Hey, that it looks better on that screen than that screen. Wow, I'm gonna look over here from now on. That looks even better now. Wow, look at that. Look, but there, there is this saying: um, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy ice cream, and that's not too bad, right? <laughs> here's, here's the deal. With Darius. Money can buy you a pillow, but it cannot buy you rest. Amen? So this is the place that uh, we are. Having a conscience that bothers you is um, going to give you insomnia. People can have insomnia for all different reasons, but that one will give you insomnia. No matter what else goes on with your sleep or lack of sleep, a, a conscience bothering you will mess you up. The best deal is to just get with the Lord and say, you know, and some nights you're up all night like Darius saying, I made a really bad decision, Lord. Please fix this tonight before 8 in the morning when I see my boss. You know, something like that, right? So we go from there. Number two, to Daniel and his God. Verse 19. And then the king arose very early in the morning and he went in haste to the den of lions. 
And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, uh, saying to Daniel, Daniel, my servant, or servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? And then Daniel said to the king, Oh, king, live forever. I bet Darius going, Woo, yeah! If only he knew they were kittens in there. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for Daniel and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. This is great. It's going to get really cool in the next passage, too. <laughs> Anyways, some of you read ahead? Oh, okay. They won't be kittens in the next passage. Um, but we have what Daniel says. After a night of insomnia, the king makes haste early in the morning. He speaks down into the den. There's a stone over it with a voice, a lamenting voice. From the Hebrew, uh, this word lament it corresponds with the word affliction. The king was afflicted during the night by the thought that Daniel had been eaten by the lions, and here he's crying out into the lion's den from that affliction. Daniel, has your God, whom you serve, been able to deliver you? Not only was he able to deliver me, he even wanted to deliver me, and he has saved me. O king, Daniel says, live forever. Daniel knew that the king loved him. And so the king comes first thing in the morning. He knew he would have been tormented over this decision. Daniel is the one who is mentioned in the book of Hebrews, the hall of faith. His name is not mentioned, but we know who he is because in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, the one who by faith stopped the mouths of lions. Uh, It's what Daniel said, and B, it's what God said. Sent. Verse 22 tells us that God sent his angel to shut the mouths of the lions so they did not hurt me. I was innocent before God and innocent before you. I didn't do anything wrong. I prayed to the God of heaven, but your people who were part of your court king, they changed the laws to make the law of God illegal. And God wasn't going to have any of that and he's going to work through a faithful servant who loved God. And in verse 23, the king is exceedingly glad. And we also find out Daniel was delivered because he believed in God. Uh, when we Think of a few people who believed in God. Uh, we, we learn what God does for someone who believes in him. Enoch was translated because he believed in God. Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice because he believed in God. Noah built an ark, saved himself, saved his family because he believed in God. Abraham went to a city that was not his own because he believed in God. That's what brought some of you to Hemet in San Jacinto, California. You went to a city and said, what have I done? You believed in God. God wanted you here. Did you know that in the book of Acts, the Bible tells us that God has not only placed us in the city, he's placed us in the neighborhood he wants us to live in. And some of us complain about that. I complain about the weather. We complain about our neighborhood. I don't want to live here anymore. God has placed us, you know, sometimes you move. God is moving you, right? But it would be good to just not complain. And God doesn't, you ever read in the book of Exodus what happens to complainers? It's not pretty. God opens up the earth, swallows them, and closes the earth back up. That's not good. You don't want to complain. Moses chose to suffer affliction with his people because he believed in God. Um, was Daniel afraid as he was dropped in? I don't know. But he was going to trust in God, and it really didn't matter. He's like, well, hey, if they tear me up, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with the Lord. Uh, a Sunday school teacher asked his students, um, he, he asked them if they thought Daniel was afraid. One little girl answered and she said, I don't think so, because one of the lions that was in the den with him was the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. You got to love that one. Amen. 
so, it's what God does for someone who believes. And we also learn that we may be saved from the lions, but not from the lion's den. Um, so we're going to go through trials. We're going to go through difficulties. Daniel still went into the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, remember that from the book of Daniel? Still went into the fire, right? Listen, the devil is a roaring lion. But his teeth have been pulled. Right? In the worst case scenario, you go to heaven. That's actually pretty good, isn't it? You think, that's bad? No, that's good. When we get the right perspective of things. Uh, last thing, it's, um, it's the glory of Daniel's God. 24 through 28, let's read this to the end. The king, he gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives. Wow! Darius was pretty ticked off. Casting everybody in. Yikes. Cast them all in. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. These are hungry lions. There's people that say these lions weren't hungry. That's why they didn't eat. Oh, no. They were extremely hungry. God turned them into kittens and then turned them back into lions after Daniel was out. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and language that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, for his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Ah, you got to love that. That's the same Cyrus who's written about in uh, Isaiah chapter 44 and Isaiah chapter 45, who is the favorable Persian king to the Jews. You've heard me say many times on Sunday night that Persia, a.k.a. modern-day Iran, was always favorable to the Jews and the nation of Israel throughout their history, um, and except for the time of the end. When you come to the time of the end, you find out that Iran, a.k.a. Persia, actually comes against Israel. Cyrus is this Persian king. You have Darius, this Medo-Persian king who, who, who loved Daniel. Um, you find out that, that even when Babylon takes, um, and Babylon was in modern-day Iraq, but even when Babylon takes the captives, you find out that Nehemiah brings Daniel into his court to help him run the kingdom. You start finding these things. But throughout the history of Israel and the people of Persia, Persia was always favorable until the time of the end. And this King Cyrus uh, it was the most favorable king in the history of the world to the Jewish people. And uh, you look at what he did and just uh, uh, blessing the Jewish people and the nation of Israel in history, and it's absolutely fantastic. But in Isaiah 44 and 45, last verse of 44, first verse of 45, God says, I'm going to use Cyrus what, 150, 200 years before he even was born or became king. And you find that out and you go, that is fascinating. God actually names Cyrus before he was ever even king and how God was going to do this with him. But with this and these final verses that we just read, we find that the devil's plan is paid with an evil reward. Uh, verse 24 tells us that um, uh, things don't go out so well, go, go so well for these men. They... Um, had this plan to get rid of Daniel. It's all reversed on them. Before they hit the bottom of the barrel, uh, they're all chewed up. Uh, these lions are hungry. Uh, this proves also, again, for those naysayers who say that the lions weren't hungry, they were so hungry, they just devoured these people before they uh, even hit the bottom of them. That's, that, that is like severely hungry. It's also a reminder how... Um, things can come back on uh, you when you do evil against God's people and against the Lord. Because the Lord, if you're a child of God, the Lord looks at uh, as him, against him, and his own children. The way that you do, right? 
you have kids, you love your kids. And uh, once you have kids, you start to understand a little bit more about the love of God towards his people. And you realize, you mess with my children, I'm going to mess with you at a time when you aren't expecting it. And God can mess with you better than anybody else can mess with you. And we think of the time in the book of Esther and Haman had built the gallows. Remember? Remember why he built the gallows? To kill all the Jews, right? What happens? God reverses the whole thing. Guess who's hung on the gallows? Haman is hung on the gallows. Uh, interesting how that works out. Proverbs says, whoever digs a pit will fall into it, and he who rolls a stone will have it roll back on him. And that's what happened with Haman, and that's what happened with Daniel's accusers. Um, and for those who rebel against God and his ways and his children, the reward is not, no, is not good. But for those who know God and trust in him, regardless of the lion's or the lions in your den. Um, you trust in God. Say, God, this is an unpleasant time right now. Will you take care of the situation? Amen? Amen? And we also have the devil's plan as triumph for the glory of God. Uh, why does God let bad things happen? Why does an innocent man go to prison for another man's crime? Why does a child drown and a family is left with a tragedy and great heartache? Why does the person who gives the most to his church and charities lose his business? Why does the mother of three small children get cancer? Those are real questions by real people who go to church and love Jesus. Interesting, as we read the story in Daniel, Daniel looks like the star of the whole production, but he is not. God is the star. It's not the lions, the cute little kittens. It's not Darius. It's not Daniel. It's no angel, it's the Lord. Even Darius gets it. To all peoples I make a decree that men must tremble before the God of Daniel. He is the living God. He delivers and rescues and works signs and wonders in heaven and earth, and he has delivered Daniel. This story is about God and the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Two final takeaways. Number one was, when you mess up, don't be too proud to ask God for help. Number two, don't think that the riches of this world will buy you rest for your soul. Number three, third takeaway, we can do right and still suffer. Even though Daniel was delivered from the lion's den because he believed, not everyone who believes is delivered. We look at people in uh, countries throughout the world that as soon as it's found out that they are Christians, they're killed, uh, they're arrested, they're tortured. All kinds of bad things happen to their families because they become believers in the Lord. Uh, and so not everybody who believes is delivered from the pains that Daniel was delivered from. Does that make sense? We think of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews tells us after Daniel was delivered, the Bible goes on and says, but others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Amen. We're looking, we keep our eyes fixed above. Amen. Uh, still others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. That is just disgusting. They were put into logs. It said Isaiah died that way. He was put into a log and then the log was sawn in two. Um, uh, they were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. All of God's children are delivered and protected from the adversary, the roaring lion, who seeks to devour. Um, but we still, they still paid the ultimate price. And for many people, being delivered from the devil, the lion who seeks to destroy, involves giving up this life and entering forever into the eternal kingdom of God, where the devil does not live. Um, whatever it may be for you and what God has planned for you and the way of the lions and the dens, I heard it said for those who worry over such things, a man of God in the will of God is immortal until his work on earth is done. In other words, if God wants you here for a particular purpose, he's going to keep you here until that's done and you ain't going home until God's done that through you. Um, I look sometimes at my own life, and I think that way. I think, okay, I've got two kids. I want to make sure, I, I, I hope I'm going to be around for them. When you see your kids, you want to be around for them. 
I know other dads and moms that have passed away and their kids are young or teenagers. So these thoughts enter my mind. And then I remember God is in heaven and I am on earth. And he is above and I am not. And I trust him. Lord, you have a work for me to do. You will not take me home until you set it all up. You're going to make sure either my work is done, but also you'll take care of my family. You'll take care of the church. I actually have lost sleep over you guys. I don't like that. Because some of you just, you know, hey, you know, I'm just saying, I get emails. <laughs> but uh, I, I think about the church. And then I, but I think more about my own family. Um, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I do. But, um, but, but you look at these things, like God's, when he's done with us, he's done with us. So we can rest in him. Daniel's able to rest in him. Hey, if you're done with me, you're done with me. Take me home, I'm ready. Last takeaway, rest in the test. It's easier said than done, but that's what Daniel did. Uh, the king couldn't rest, but Daniel did. So bless your hearts. We all go through tests. We all go through trials. May we learn to trust in God and rest in Him while we are being tested. Amen? Listen, it is not easy. I get it. I am not very good at it, and I'm supposed to be a professional, all right? Yeah, but it's hard. So I get it, but Daniel gives us a great goal, and he's a great model for us. Listen, next week, we're looking at chapter 7 of Daniel. We're going to get a look into the future of what's coming with the Antichrist. Man, we have exciting things coming. Amen? Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.